take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for over 15 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. You know, Jean, before we get into our topic for today, I actually had an idea today. And that was that, you know, we've been hearing from a lot of couples and people who have been listening to our podcast and they've been, you know, really encouraging of all the topics that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. They've they've loved every episode. But those are people that we're hearing from face to face. Right. But we're not hearing about, you know, the reactions and feedback from people who aren't seeing us face to face. And so I was thinking, you know, post a, a hashtag couple synergy picture of the two of you doing something fun and interesting. Oh yeah. Something exciting, so right? You know, we'd love to see your pictures. Yeah. That'd you could just go on, cool. on Instagram, couple synergy and just you know, and post. say where you're from. That would be really awesome. Right. Yeah, We can see that we're being listened to in 29 countries. That'd be great. You know, do a hashtag cool. couple synergy, something, you know, a picture of you guys doing something fun, exciting, something new that the two of you have never experienced before. And, you know, if, if we, uh, we're going to go, through all the pictures and you know you might even be featured on one of our podcasts that'd be so cool to see that so today we're going to be talking about gay relationships and you know i think this is a very important topic to talk about even though i say that every single time because i think all the topics we talk about are important but but this one i, I think is important because you know it, it does you know if we're talking about relationships then we need to be talking about all relationships you know, this topic is actually a little scary for me to talk about. Why is that? Because we have asked over 20 gay couples to be on our podcast. We've had one say yes. And we don't have enough information about it. Like, I don't even know the proper terms. And I think the only place you can learn it from is people in the community. And they're not talking. And so I, I'm hesitant to offend anyone just because I'm I'm kind of ignorant about some of this stuff. I mean, we've worked with gay couples mm-hmm. and we know from that perspective, but I think there's a certain type of gay couple that comes in for couples therapy. Yeah, as you know, we should say as a caveat here that we are in no way experts in gay relationships, right? Right, Because most of our work has been with heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the statistics and, and the trends that are showing, you know, really warrant the fact that there needs to be a discussion about it, right? According to an article by Frank Newport in, in May of 2018, the percentage of American adults identifying as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender increased to 4.5% in 2017, which is up from 4.1% in 2016 and 3.5% in 2012 when the Gallup poll began tracking the measure. So 
there, that, there, that was 2012. 2012 was to 2018. Correct. And what happened in the middle 2017, of that? I should say. Yeah. Is June 26, 2015, mm-hmm. the U.S. Supreme Court struck down any state bans on same-sex marriages. So that's that's pretty interesting. And the Netherlands was actually the first country to legalize gay marriages. Mm-hmm. I think that was in 2001. I have to look at that. But yeah. So I, I would imagine that made it easier for some people to e- either have a discussion about it because mm-hmm. it was such a public political debate at the time. But just to be more open about it. Right, right. Right. And so these these statistics, they don't really tell much. They just say that there's an increase in people reporting, you know, that they're in, in LGBT relationships. But that doesn't mean that it didn't already exist. Right. Right. So for the context of our podcast today, we, we'll be talking about gay relationships in couples therapy specifically right? Specifically the difference between biological gender and gender energy. And, and we'll, we'll discuss we'll that discuss a little bit more. Yep. Right, right. So I just wanted to mention mm-hmm. that uh, on June 28th, 1969, mm-hmm. was when there were the Stonewall riots. And these were a series of violent demonstrations. St- the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village in New York. In New York, yeah. It was owned by the mafia and they allowed anyone in. And so gay people, and back then that was a very closeted thing to be, would hang out there and the police would come and raid and harass them. And that's when they started to fight back. And the reason it's interesting in June is also June 26, 2015 is when marriages became legal between gay couples. And the Stonewall riots are the reason for the gay pride parade being in June. Uh, see, to I celebrate that. And I didn't know that. And this year was the 50th year. That, that yeah. is really, really interesting. You know, that statistic mm-hmm. and that history, right, just kind of warrants me saying that we, we will, you know, for our listeners out there, we will not be talking about gender fluidity. We will not be talking about the gay community or religious beliefs about homosexuality or same-sex marriage these are social debates, and unfortunately, they're also political debates right. and that many people have opinions about, and it has no place in the discussion that we are having today. Right. We're just talking about the quality of or the characteristics of what we know about gay relationships. What we have observed right. in working with gay couples in therapy. Technically, it was never illegal to be gay. That would be like saying that it's illegal to be a drug addict. You, you can't prove that, right? And so what they did instead is they made things that they did illegal, like sodomy. And prior to 2003, the Supreme Court ruling in Lawrence versus Texas, same-sex sexual activity was illegal in 14 U.S. states, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. military. 2003. That's not too long so ago. So I can see why, why the couples we've asked are a little shy, because that's in their lifetime. Well, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we should take a pause here and and just, you know, kind of reach out to our listeners that, you know, if there are any gay couples out there that would love to be on our podcast to talk about your story, right? Talk about how you met your partner and how your relationship developed. We would be more than happy, you know, to conduct that interview. We'd love to have you on the show. Yeah, you would be such a great advantage to helping other people who don't know about these things and bring it 
to light in a in, in a real way, in a way that we can't because we're not part of that community. So as we mentioned, we have had the privilege in working with multiple gay couples who have wanted to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. Yep. And, you know, what has traditionally stood out for us in, in working with those couples is that biological gender becomes irrelevant. Correct. And, and what really becomes prominent is gender energy. And, you know, we should define, obviously, biological gender is, you know, what, what is in your, your pants. Right. Right. And what were you, what was your physiology? Yes. What was your DNA, you know, when you were born? But what we're talking about here is gender energy. Right. Masculine and feminine energy. Which we all have. Which we all have, which regardless of what your biological gender is, mm -hmm. you have both right. a feminine and masculine energy. Now, the balance between the two of them can vary. Right. Right. And the interplay between the two energies within the relationship is what we've observed is really the prominent issue when we are working with a gay couple in mm -hmm. therapy. Right. You know, David Dida you know, the author of The Way of the Superior Man. And he talks a lot about the interplay between... Which doesn't mean men are superior. Yeah, I hit me. I don't like the title. Yeah. I mean, the, he's it means got a how great, to be a really great man. He's got a great book. Yeah, it's awesome. We love it. But the title itself <laughs> can turn off a lot of people. I know you people. recommend that. And then, I you know, know. The, the partners come in and they're like, what do you mean he's superior? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not what it we're talking about. It is not. It's not a good title in the Me Too movement era. So, <laughs> but anyway, so it, it he talks a lot, and and he's talking from the perspective of heterosexual couples. No, he's not. He's not. Nope. He says in there it doesn't matter. No. Oh, okay. He, he talks about it part. like this: like a battery has to have a positive end and a negative end, mm. in in order for there to be an an energy arc, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so who is the more masculine or feminine in the relationship that it, that remains to be seen. And that's not tied to biological gender. Correct. You know, that balance between the masculine and feminine energy, I should say the polarity, mm -hmm. right? Polarity between masculine and feminine energy that creates the passion. Right. And excitement and sexual attraction between a couple. Right. And, regardless of the biological gender of the individuals, it is, it is that polarity, right, that creates a dance, creates the Absolutely. couple dance, mm -hmm. right? And he says that, you know, if there's a couple where both people embody the feminine energy or both people embody uh, majority masculine energy, then there isn't, there's no spark. there is no spark. Yep. Right. And... Those, the, the gender energy can shift position. Right. That's the dance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. It, there's a flow. Mm -hmm. And just because one member of the couple embodies masculine energy when it comes to, I don't, I don't know, car repair or something, you right. know, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they, they embody masculine energy throughout the entire relationship. Right. They might embody feminine energy when it comes to something else. 
Yeah. And when we're working with a couple, I typically work with the wives and you work with the husbands. Mm -hmm. So when we have a gay couple, we kind of have to figure out who's holding the masculine energy and who's holding the feminine energy so that we can decide how we're going to, which one we're going to work with. Right. So that's a little added thing we have when we're working with a gay couple. We pay attention to that because it is very important. Which makes that first meeting Mm -hmm. incredibly important for both of us, right? And sometimes the person who appears more feminine is actually in the role of a traditional masculine role. So if it's a guy and he appears more feminine, but he might be the breadwinner or make more money than his partner, or he might be the one that is doing more of the typical male role. The provider yeah. role in the relationship. Right? And and another guy might be more masculine, but he might be the one that's raising the kids or Taking scheduling on the, appointments. Taking the nurturing and, role yeah. in, in the mm-hmm. family, right? right. Yeah, it, it, that, it, that becomes very tricky. You know, I, I got to say, not that we don't see that that balance and dynamic of masculine and feminine energy in a heterosexual couple. It's just that it is much more difficult for us to kind of, you know, ascertain who is going to go, who's going to go work with who. Yeah. Because the whole point of, of doing couples work is to move you beyond your domestication and into the afternoon of your life where you're in the driver's seat and you're choosing for yourself the way your life wants to, the way you want your life to look And when we're working with someone that's, you know, different genders, we know what they were socialized as. But when you're working with a gay couple, you don't know their social messages, right? Right. The domestication part of it is, it's a little different. And so you might find that you start working with someone and they're more actually in alignment with the masculine or vice versa. You should probably explain the afternoon of life for those that don't really understand that. So it's a Jungian concept that when we're born, we are born into the morning of life. And the morning of life are all the things that we were told we were supposed to be. And so according to a study, which I wish I could quote, but I heard it from Wayne Dyer on one of his, he wrote about it in one of his books and he talks about it extensively in the movie called The Shift, which we would absolutely recommend. And he says the characteristics that men were taught in the morning of life are these six things. Number one is wealth. Number two is adventure. Number three is achievement. Number four is pleasure. Number five is to be respected. And number six is to have fun. Which doesn't sound like a bad list to me. Right. Why not be the king of the mountain? Yeah, right? Yeah. Make a lot of money. Right. Have some power, respect. And play all you want. And play all you want. And there's no one else on that list but you. Sure. Yeah. The women's list looks like this. Number one is family. The family you grew up in and the family you continue to create. Number two is independence. Because most women know they have to show up for everybody else, but no one's showing up for them so much. Number three is career. And career for women is a little bit different because it's not about wealth and achievement. It's about tell me I'm good enough. Self-worth. Yep. I can't tell you how many women come in and they're like, I got a promotion. Well, I got a new title and more responsibility. (laughs) There's no money yet in the budget. I hear that all the time. Number four is to fit in. Number five is to be seen as attractive. And number six is to be loved. And that is 
the way that that people are saying that when they're domesticated, that's what they're taught are the priorities of life. And then he talks about in the shift, he talks about this, this pivotal time of life where you make this quantum leap from the morning of life into the afternoon of life. Some people never do. They never make that shift. Mm -hmm. And some people might do that at 18, some at 80. It just depends on, you know, their, their ability to be self-aware and grow or to hear the calling. He says those, those times are surprising and they're enduring. They don't let go and they're loving. It's a pivotal moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they looked at the priority of men and women in the afternoon of life. And here's what the guy's list looks like. Number one is spirituality. Connection like, is something bigger something than yourself. bigger than yourself, yeah. yeah. Number two is personal peace. Mm. I think that boys are domesticated to not care. Not that they don't care about that, but they're, they're told not to express emotion. Mm -hmm. And so they tuck all that in and they have a lot of turmoil around that. And so when you are serving something bigger than yourself, you find that place of peace, even if other people, you're not making the most money or you're not some Because you're things. not stuck in the rat race anymore. Right. Yeah. Number three is family. So here's the first time other people are on a guy's list. Number four is living by an honor code. Again, that concept of something bigger than yourself. Standards, values, your own personal, you know, achievement. Right. Number five is honesty. And I think men and women are both domesticated to be dishonest, but in different ways. I think men are taught to like hide their feelings and kind of, you know, get on that line of scrimmage and shove all that fear down and turn it into anger and bulldoze the kid in front of you. And then they kind of move through that in life. And for women, I think they're told to think about everybody else and don't be selfish and don't be conceited. So I, there is a dishonesty, but it's in both directions. Number six is humility. Mm. And so the men's list seems to be the slaying of the ego and then the rising up of, you know, that integrity within. And the women's list, number one is personal growth. And I usually see women come in because they, you know, watched Oprah or they went to a yoga class or they read a book and they're like, hey, I, I could have a different type of life. And I think that is that that place is the catalyst of change for a lot of couples yeah. when a woman starts is like, you know, I got married, I had kids and now I can breathe at 40 years old and I'm working well, on me. Typically, the driving force in couples therapy, what brings a couple in is the woman, mm -hmm. right? I mean, what, 80% of the time we see that it's the woman that's initiating couples work, right. you know, and, and typically it, it, the man is not really, he mm -hmm. hasn't hit that pivotal moment. Right. Right. Number two is self-esteem. Number three is spirituality. Mm. I think spirituality ends up being three for women because if a woman doesn't know herself or like herself, spirituality becomes one more way she beats herself up. Like I have to own perfectly or I have to say my Hail Marys or whatever that is. Right. And then bad things won't happen. And it's just not the point of spirituality at all. Just riddled with guilt. Yeah. Number four is her own happiness. Number five is generosity. And that's the way women love is, you know, if, if I love you and you need something, I'm going to be there for you. Not the codependency of the morning of life, but true generosity. And number six is forgiveness. Forgiveness for the way we've allowed people to treat us and the way we've participated in that and forgiveness for the people who treated us that way. I see so, that as like the melting of that guilt. Yeah. Right. So that's the morning and the afternoon of life, which is the shift that Wayne Dyer is talking about. So, you know, in, in going over that list, I, I think that 
it, it has been our observation in, in working with gay couples that they want the same things yeah. as heterosexual couples, mm-hmm. right? And that they want honesty, they want trust, they want healthy boundaries in the relationship, they want safety. openness, safety, mm-hmm. emotional safety, right? Affection, the five A's, you know, all the the things that David Rico talks about in his book. How to be an adult in relationship. Right, mm-hmm. right. Attention, affection, acceptance, appreciation, and allowing to become. Right. And, you know, those are those are foundational mm-hmm. in, in any relationship, regardless of, you know, what genders are in that relationship. Right. You know, a long time ago, when we first met, the my work partner was a gay man. And I remember him explaining it like this. He's like, you know, don't think about what gay people do, right? He's like, I don't think about what you're doing (laughs) as a heterosexual person. So don't think about that aspect of it because it really is a lifestyle. Certainly you can have sex with someone of the same gender, but not be gay. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. It It is really a lifestyle that is, it's a different type of lifestyle that, you have to understand it from a perspective that is beyond the sexual part of it. Well, there's just so much involved with that. Absolutely. You know, as far as, you know, social judgment and, uh, you know, there's a whole coming out process that is, that brings about a lot of anxiety and stress for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it, it, it comes with a lot more. Right. And, and I think those things happen so young in life. You know, we become sexual people at what, 12, 13, 14 years old, sometimes even a little bit younger than that. You know, whether we're having sex or not, we're certainly having... Sexual thoughts. Yep. Sexual feelings. Our bodies are developing. And that's a very, very young age to try to navigate all that stuff. Right. I think it takes a long time to mature into something that that is able to comprehend all those things. And at first they, they come up, you know, at least that's the way they've been described to us as, I just am. Like, I just didn't like to, if it's a gay man, I like the, all my friends are going nuts over a girl and I'm like, eh, whatever, I like her shoes. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, with all the gay couples that we have met with, I don't think I've ever heard a story that didn't start with, I, I just knew I was different. Mm-hmm. Right. With all the, the guys that I was hanging out with, I, I just knew that my thoughts and my feelings were different than them. Right. And and that brings about a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. right? And and a lot of guilt. Isolation. And isolation, yeah. right? So I think those pieces are also, you know, when, when you look at, at the differences of generations, because this is really a generational issue because, you know, in the same, in the same way that my grandparents who were raised in the 19 teens, right? Yeah. I think they were born teens. in the 2000 or 1914. Wow. You know, and so they lived in Chicago where, you know, there was a thing called, you know, the Polish town or Irish town or Catholics or Jews or like there were so many different lines that were divvied up and there was so much racism that they, it wasn't even like a bad thing to them. It just was normal. Right. Right. And then the next generation comes along and says, you know, that's super inappropriate. And when I was a kid, being gay was, 
I, I believe it was actually a pathology in the DSM it until was. 1981. Right. So, you know, I graduated high school in 1984. Well, the psychology field, right, mm -hmm. embarrassingly right. was doing conversion therapy at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, as you'll hear from our very brave gay couple that, that did allow us to interview them, they are two young men from Texas that are 20 and 22, I believe. I, I believe so, yeah. Yep. And he was the music director of a... I forget what kind of church, but it was a Catholic church. Was Catholic, yeah. And yeah, they told him to do conversion therapy or or get out, and he lost his job over that. And this is 2018 that this happened, right? Yeah. So, you albeit know, it was a cons it's a very conservative state. It's a very conservative state, right? But it is still happening, right? Right. And what we do know is that conversion therapy is actually very damaging. Absolutely. And and not effective, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the thing with our sexuality is whatever it is, it is. And it's not an easily changed thing. And and that's true whether it's a pathology of sexuality or a difference of sexuality or whatever we call normal. It, yeah. Con conversion therapy is is kind of like a stain on the American Psychological Association. Yeah. They've got a few. <laughs> they do have a few. Including lobotomies. <laughs> well, well, I think that was psychiatry, but yeah. At the oh, time. yeah, we'll not, we'll not claim that. S sorry, we're not going to claim that. <laughs> right. So, in, you know, in working with, with gay couples, I, I, I said earlier it was a privilege because we learn from every couple mm -hmm. that we work with. Yep. You know, regardless of whether they're heterosexual or gay, we learn about the dynamics of relationships. Right. And... As, as I said earlier, it, it is amazing to see that both heterosexual and gay couples, they are looking for the same thing. And when I say gay couples, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not excluding lesbian, transgender couples. Well, I looked up the definition. <clears throat> and the definition of gay does include all of that. Yay. Yes. And I hope that's politically <laughs> correct. I don't know. Yay. But that's that's what it okay. says. Okay. Well, yeah, just to clarify, we're not excluding, right. you know, lesbian, transgender couples. We, you know, we... And I believe queer is now involved in those terms as well. Yes. Okay. We're just saying that, you know, we have worked with gay couples and, right. you know, that is... The extent I, I have worked with transgender people. I've helped people convert. You have a couple. And convert the we right also word. did work with a lesbian couple as well. Two. Two. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, our, our, our knowledge and experience is limited. Mm -hmm. Right. But what we have learned from working with gay couples that come in and they're looking to improve their relationship. They want to be able to connect with their partner. And a lot of the things that they're struggling with are the same things that heterosexual couples are struggling right. with as well. Right. Jealousy. The jealousy. The distance yep. between the two of them. Lack the of quality of time. time yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Lack of affection. Right. You know, maybe work is taking over and they're putting more energy into that versus their relationship. It, it is amazing because you hear the exact same words coming out of their mouths. Right. As a heterosexual couple, it's really not very different. I think the only difference that I've really noticed is the way they deal with friendships is different because most of their friends are also the same gender. Mm -hmm. And 
the same sexual orientation. Right. And so I, I think there's there's more of an ease of that than there is in the heterosexual community where there's less male-female relationships with without your partner. Oh, that's interesting. I actually haven't had that thought. That's, hmm. yeah, not, that observation doesn't make sense now. Yeah. You know, just going back to the generational thing, our son, when he was in high school and he graduated high school in 2016, you got a discount to go to prom or homecoming if you were a gay couple. So we went from like discrimination, violence, you know, fighting for rights, changing to all of a sudden sort to of encouragement. Right. Yeah. And that's our culture has changed dramatically in, in my lifetime. Like I'm 52 years old. So in the last 52 years, mm-hmm. it's gone from being illegal to celebrated. Or at least just encouraged. Mm-hmm. Right. Encouraged to be open, to be honest, to be yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so that that makes a big difference. You know, they say that one in nine people is something, you know, statistically, like one in nine people have a mental illness, one in nine people become wealthy, one in nine people get a certain like diabetes or one in nine people, you know, something like that. One in nine people serve in the army. Right. Like that's you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And one in nine people are gay. And whether those numbers are verifiable or not, there it's an interesting thing because there are nine children. I'm a sibling. There's, how am I saying this? I have eight siblings. Right. You so there's nine to of be us. one, of, one nine. of nine. There we go. Right. Thanks. And one of my siblings is gay. And so, you know, we have a large family. I have at least two, a niece and a nephew who are gay and possibly another one that we don't know, you know, and so it is in my family. And I, I think our family did a pretty good job of transitioning to that and everyone a little bit differently and maybe one or two, not at all. Yeah. I should say some more than others. Yeah. Right. You know, and and for my mom who was in, is a very uh, strict Catholic person, she had to stretch a lot and she kind of had to choose between having her son in her life or, or not. And she was able to wrap around that very well, I believe. And, you know, I, I think I remember him calling to tell us, you know, and, and I remember him, he, he just sort of said something, I don't know, he was 19 or 20 years old. And I said to him, are you embracing an alternative lifestyle? <laughs> you know? and, so clinical, Gene. I know. Well, you know, how, how do you talk about stuff like that? Right. Cause you can't mention it first. It doesn't work that way. And I just said to him, you know, you're my brother and I love you. And you know, that's it. To me, it's not anything beyond that. And it, it's been really awesome to see his life. He's married. They have a son. And they have a really, really awesome story. And I, I really wish these kind of stories were being shared because I think there's so many misconceptions. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I think the more that people are brave enough to talk about their stories and their relationships you know, I think the more normalized it will become, yeah. right? That people will be able to see heterosexual or gay, that we all share the same things. Right. We right? all want to bond. When it comes to relationships, yeah. we all want to bond. 
We all know that having a relationship with a committed partner is the most difficult thing we will ever have to do in our lives. Right. Right. And we will all face the same kinds of things in our relationships. Yeah. You know, I think that when we put labels on things and we call ourselves heterosexual or homosexual or this religion or that religion or whatever the labels are, we just divide ourselves. Race two is, it's almost becoming stupid. Yeah. I mean, there's hardly any purebreds in the world, at least in the United States. So like, how do you even check all the boxes? You know, like our son, what does he check? He checks everything, really. Right? He's what? All, all sorts of different things. And so, you know, if we could get away with these labels, I think we'd be doing better. What was that, what was that thing you were listening today in preparation for this on that podcast? I, I was just listening to another podcast of a gay couple that are married. They live in New York and they were talking about the gay community and how when they came out, they were coming from the culture of heterosexuality where you are judged for who you are. And when they came into the gay community, they were then again felt like they were judged for who they were. You know, that there are different yeah. kind of classes within the gay community. And, you know, I, I can't speak from this. I'm, I'm really just kind of you know, paraphrasing from right. the podcast. That I heard. Do you remember the name of that podcast? The name of the podcast was Relationship Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Which is a great title. I love that. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, specifically, it, it was their latest episode, mm -hmm. which was called 99 Problems. And they talk about that, which is very fascinating. You know, just that even though, you know, they got to a point where they were open, honest, and feeling, you know, free about expressing who they are, they entered into the gay community where they felt, again, you know, constrained, judged, you know, and placed, uh, yeah. you know, into a category and labeled. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I would think that there's so many labels in that community. Like, that's why, like, I don't know what's right or not right. I, I just think the labels, they just don't they fit hurt us. regardless yeah. of anything, regardless. Right. You know, when you close that that door in your home, it, it is really just about the two of you mm -hmm. in defining who you are as a couple. Right. And interacting from one human being to another. Right. You know, like we are an interracial couple, I guess you could put, you that, put label that label. <laughs> right. But we both grew up in the United States of America in a town apart, you know, I mean, we have... And it was born in white suburbia. Right. And, you know, when you were a child, if you talk about generational stuff, you were the only brown person in your school. Right. And you had some, some stuff happen there. I did have some, yeah. But, you know, I was born a female, you know, and I was in the army and guess what? I had some stuff happen there. You know, there's no sexism in the army. <laughs> no. You know, and so, you know, to me, those are kind of opportunities of, of growth where, you know, you realize you're in this body and you're in this culture and you can dive into the shit of it, like relationship, <laughs> relationship <laughs> and, or, or you, or you learn to rise above it and you learn to start erasing some of those lines. And so, you know, I really hope we get to a place where we're just human beings, just people. 
And we just love each other, accept each other as we are. We want to wholeheartedly thank you, all of you listeners, for joining us today and for listening to our podcast, Couple Synergy. We hope that by listening to this episode, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also for your relationship. You know, for all you listening, again, please subscribe to our podcast. Please leave us a review. It would really be helpful for us. You know, give us. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. It would give us a lot of information as to, you know, whether we're hitting the mark or whether you want to hear something more, Mm -hmm. right? If you have any questions, comments, topic suggestions, again, please. We had our first topic suggestion. We we did, and we'll, we'll feature that one. Right. We're, we're figuring out. Right. Yeah. The next time that's co-parenting after divorce. Right. Mm-hmm. Please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. And again, remember, you know, send a picture on Instagram. Yes. Hashtag couple synergy of the two of you doing something new, interesting, fun. It'll be really awesome for us to see that. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Kedkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. <laughs>